Well, welcome to the Bill Bennett Show. Talk about the existential threats to America now and in the future. We discuss the news of the day. Joining me today to talk about the future, maybe the immediate future, we don't know. Bing West, former Assistant Secretary of Defense and a combat Marine. He's also a New York Times bestselling author. His latest book, The Last Platoon, a novel of the Afghanistan War. Hey, Bing, I want to talk about your essay on World War III and novels. Run through the first four quickly, if you would. As a writer and as a novelist, it, it did strike me that you that novels give you supposedly an insight into human nature and character and what novelists think is important. So I went back to say, well, all right, now everyone talks about China and there eventually will be another war, like there's another hurricane. It may or may not be China, but that seems to be our focus. So what have people been saying about large wars rather than the small ones? So I went back and I read these five novels, all of them within a couple of days. And and all five dealt with World War Three. And the, the first three, the focus was on Russia and the Soviet Union. And the last two, the focus was on China. But what struck me when I was finished reading and put it down, that all of these novelists over the last decade to two decades have assumed that the war, if another war comes, is decided on the battlefield, as was the Civil War and World War II, and that presidents and the press and the Congress and the public have very little to do with it, that it plays out as a huge battle. And and I stood and I, I read these, and then I thought, well, wait a minute. What about if every one of these novelists is missing the essence, that if your nation isn't united, if you don't have a culture that says, our society is going to prevail, then you are in deep, deep trouble no matter how good you do on an individual battlefield. And that got me to think, if I were the Chinese watching us, how would I fight us if I was forced to fight us at some point? And my answer was pretty simple. Unlike in World War II, when London was bombed with actual bombs by the Germans, What a smart Chinese would do would be that he would launch a cyber war and he would cut off our electricity and our finances. We would do the same to China. All trade would come to a stop. And then the Chinese leaders would be betting that their society as a whole can do without electricity and can do without money and still keep their unity more than can Americans. And and that that kind of shook me when I thought of it, because I asked myself, would that be the case if the next big war means that you have to go without air conditioning, you don't have all the heat you're used to, you can't buy everything you want, you don't have all the gas to go everywhere you want, and yet there are no bombs being dropped? Would we persevere? So that's what I took away from those five novels, Bill, that they may be focused on one tree but missing the forest likely scenario what you've described would it include biological warfare like a virus uh biological or chemical i would seriously doubt that it would happen i would seriously doubt that it would happen deliberately now i do believe that the chinese are responsible for the covid they caused it and i believe it was in their laboratory 
And it flabbergasted me why we were giving money to them for that kind of research. I yeah. think, though, it slipped out. I think it slipped out by accident. I don't believe that 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 a large power would deliberately use such weapons. But I do believe terrorists would if they ever got their hands on them. Well, wait a minute. Maybe not deliberately, but, you know, I went, I paid enough attention in law school class to know the difference between, you know, a uh, an intentional wrong and a negligent wrong. Correct. I may not have intended it, but once out, you know, I mean, they didn't exactly help uh, or, you know, try to warn the world. They uh, shut down no, travel no. in their country, but they let their people in their country go wherever they wanted. It was deliberate malfeasance for which they should be held responsible, but neither this administration nor any other Western country has the courage to hold them responsible. It's, it's, it's absolutely outrageous. But there we are. They should be forced to pay huge, huge reparations to countries for what they did. And for people like Dr. Fauci to be excusing them in saying, well, you know, yeah, this, this yeah. has to be a, a crazy monkey that that's wacky stuff. That's not science. Didn't President Trump try to move in that direction? He said it was their fault. He thought it was from yes, the laboratory. He, and yes, he ahead. did. And because the press is so anti-Trump, I believe yeah. that they instinctively said it's the opposite simply because he said exactly. there's there's a moon up there in that in that sky. And, and so the press says, no, there can't be a moon. Trump said that there's such a thing as a moon. I mean, it's just yeah, no, wacky no. stuff. No, no, just it's just all in opposition. Sufficient reason uh, to oppose a policy now is that Trump was for it. I don't, I don't know how long this. I don't know how long this goes on, but it goes on. Tell me if uh, we have the stuff to fight a war. Now, maybe we don't have to fight it if it's this cyber thing. Oh, I, I see. I, this is an interesting thing. I firmly believe that we are far ahead of Russia or China in terms of our real capabilities in cyberspace. What has been preventing us, look, the, 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 those thieves come and they steal all the time. They steal every day. So what do you do with a thief that steals every day? Our, our press and our government says, well, you, you have to lock your windows and lock your door. Wait a minute. If that's a thief, you arrest the thief or you, you cause him such pain, he doesn't want to steal anymore. It is our lawyers, Bill. It is our lawyers in the Congress and in the White House, et cetera, that prevent us from turning loose some of our capabilities and going back to the sources and just ripping the daylights out of those cyber ransom kidnappers and, and, and causing total chaos and destruction, which we could do. But our lawyers say you can't do it because we can't have perfect proof of it. That the lawyers trust me on this because I've, 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 I've talked to a lot of people and said, why aren't you doing something? And they said, Bing, it all gets back. All the lawyers we have saying that we can't do it. I mean, it's frustrating. It's not that we don't have the capability. We do have the capability. I agree with you Go on ahead. the lawyers, but for the first piece, you say we have greater capability than the Russians or the Chinese. How do you know that? What makes you say that? I don't, don't say anything confidential, uh, uh, but you, yeah, have, you yeah, have pretty no, good basis look, look, for number that. Number one, I'm not, I'm, not carrying, I'm not carrying any clearances at all, and, and no one has divulged to me any secret information. Um, but I can say, having been on all, a lot of battlefields for the last 10 years and been in a lot of different places with our military— Oh, boy. Um, we're good. We're awfully good. Um, the one thing I haven't seen is, with the exception of what 
we supposedly did to Iran and to North Korea when we felt like doing it. We may have done it one time to the Soviet Union, all of which <laughs> no one was able to stop us from doing, that, that we don't somehow have a series of laws that say we're going to take some of our good capabilities without divulging other good capabilities, but we're not going to allow these hackers and these thieves to get away with it every day. We're going to strike back. And it's not because we couldn't, we, it's not because we, we don't have the smarts and the technical stuff to do it. It's because we're so entangled in our own laws that, that we don't allow it to happen. We don't even allow corporations to strike back after they're hacked. That's crazy. If it's mostly cyber uh, and, you know, it's a, it's a, it's, who is somebody said it's a guy, it's a guy sitting in Palo Alto at a, at a desk rather than a, a guy sitting in a trench trench with a gun uh, that the next war is about. And you, you can comment on that. But if, if, if it is about cyber, if it is a cyber war, do we need grit? Do we need the determination and, you know, stuff out of which soldiers are made to fight that war? Well, that's... Or do we just need to be smarter? No. I mean, if, if you will... I'm not trying to predict what the next war is going to be. I just looked at three books about World War III, which would be a major war. Right, right. And, and then, I, then I said, you know, the thing that would worry me most about it is the cyber piece, because the Chinese would cause us great pain to see whether our society had the stuff to stay with it the way Great Britain stayed with it in 1940. That if you don't right. have electricity, you know, th that sort of thing. And do, do I think we have that grit? Reluctantly, I would say we better have the right kind of president because somebody has to suddenly get up before everybody and say, now, look, guys, this is what we're going to do. And I don't care if, if, if it takes four years, we're going to do it. And I'm going to be your leader. You, you know, it, you see what I mean? So much you depend yeah, on, yeah, yeah, on but top that, leadership. But that sounds, you, like whether the, whether that sounds like what the question is, whether the civilians have grit. And, that, and that, indeed, that may be the central question. I guess I was asking more specifically, do we have enough soldiers or enough people who would be soldiers with enough grit to fight that war? Or are they sort of not as relevant as they used to be because of the cyber emphasis? Am I making my question clear? I do. I do. I do. And my answer is, uh, again, I'll come back to those who choose to go in the military have chosen of their own free will. And, and do I believe they are the right stuff? Absolutely. And do I believe okay. that their commanders that, that their commanders would be would be saying, "Sir, just let us loose"? Absolutely. Um, there's no question whatsoever in my mind that the military would be a unified force. Positively, the 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 the, 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 the question, therefore, if if I were boy, if I were any enemy, the, the last thing I want to do is say, "Let's have this out on the battlefield with the American military." What? You're nuts! You know. <laughs> that's that's the last group you want to deal with because they'll smash you like a bug. Okay, so it's where the civilians have it. Yes, that's what I. And, that, and maybe that, and maybe that, maybe I should ask Alexander Solzhenitsyn that, not you. You know Correct. the seventy nine address. <laughs> of course, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. And he said, you know, uh, our faith and our belief could survive the gulag, but can it survive affluence, comfort? That and, and and remember Toynbee. Uh, I mean, you know, but you know Toynbee's famous statement that um, no great civilization has ever been murdered. Great civilizations eventually commit yeah. suicide. Going all the way back to the Good. Greeks against uh, you know Athens against Sparta, etc. You know, the, our greatest worry is if we become so comfortable we fall apart ourselves. And 
I don't like the trends at all that I'm seeing. Yeah, um, let me counter your Toynbee with Lincoln. As a nation of free men, we we live forever or die by suicide. Ah, okay, there you are. Positively. Positively. Um, well, I, we were just watching Atlantic Crossing, this thing about Roosevelt and his maybe his yeah, yeah, aff- yeah, yeah, affection yeah. for the crown princess of Norway. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, yeah. it reminds us, and my, you know, we were watching it, and my wife said, my gosh, was, was there that much opposition to the war? I said, absolutely. Roosevelt had to promise that Positively. he didn't get us in the war. Yes, and a wonderful book. I'm sure you've read it, The, the Splendid and the Vile, about uh, Churchill in the year from the time he became prime minister until the Japanese made the fatal mistake of attacking us at Pearl Harbor, and he was trying yeah. to keep his country together, and he knew he had to keep rallying them and desperately hoping that sooner or later America would get involved because America was the last great hope. Last best hope of earth. We shall nobly save or meanly lose this last best hope of earth. There's my Lincoln again. Okay. Yes, he is. Every time you throw a book, uh, every time you throw a book at me that you've read and I have it, I'm going to throw a Lincoln at you. Well, that, that, that is fair enough because he was such a, but we, we can't, we can't say enough about Washington either. I mean, the, the interesting thing about, uh, about our founding fathers, speaking of Memorial Days and Remembrance, they risked everything, including Washington, one of the richest men um, in, yeah. in North America at the time. They were going to be hanged if they lost, and they risked everything. Wow. What, what, oh. what bravery that was. All right. All right, all right. I, I threw you off by throwing myself off. You went off with me. Let's go back. So, okay. World War Where II. The, yep. the, the country didn't want to get in the war. Are we, uh, isn't that same now? I mean, are we worse than we were then? We didn't want to go to war. Why, why the way, by the way, why didn't we really want to go to war against this guy? Because Joe Kennedy well, said he was fine or Charlie Lindbergh? No, 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 why? no, it was, well, number one, you, you remember the Great Depression, we were just coming out of it. Number two, yeah. getting involved, getting, you know, the, the, the populism in America, don't get involved with foreigners if you can possibly avoid it. That's the Europeans' problem. Look what happened in World War One. Why do we need that? I mean, you can understand all those arguments being made without recognizing the, the great evil that, that Nazi, okay. Nazism was, you know, so that, 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 that's what caused it. Hey, you guy Washington, but once, you guy George Washington, foreign entanglements, right? Yeah. But once, but once we became involved, the country rushed to the flag. And you're asking, do I believe that would happen today? My answer, unfortunately, is no, I don't think it would happen today. And that causes me to say, I would pray that we somehow had leaders who emerged, and I'd have a hard time telling you their names if you asked me right now. Do you know Alan Guelzo? No, I do not. No. Okay, he's a historian at Gettysburg and Princeton, and... Um... Gelzo and I are having this argument. He said, we've never been so divided since the Civil War. My argument is we're more divided than we were in the Civil War. The division in the Civil War was about one thing, simply, primarily, almost exclusively, overwhelmingly anyway. The division now is about, you name it, school, child rearing, family, country, drugs, uh, uh, you know. It is is a fundamental argument about what kind of country do we want to be with half the country believing they want a strong central government with everybody else doing what that government says? And that borders very, very closely on totalitarianism by any other name. Um, and it's, it's, 
I'm going to tell you what you, to teach in every school. I'm going to say who gets what money. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. You're all going to fall in line and keep your mouth shut. That That's scary. It is. It is. I mean, you see this fight in the schools, Bing. You know, I'm going to talk about Battlefield I know. I take my hat off to you and your son and my son. <clears throat> no, he didn't see battle. Um, but I take my hat off anyway. He was ready. He's a Marine. Um, all Marines, all Marines yeah. are brothers and sisters. Yep. They're, they're all they're all given rifles, right? All trained, right? How to shoot. That's all exactly right. Anyway, my battlefield is, uh, is uh, classrooms. Has been for fifty years. Hell of a battle going on now. Lots of critical race theory, et cetera, et cetera. We're doing. We're having a fight about critical race theory and what place it has in our schools. How big a place, if any? And we're thirty sixth in math in the world, and China's first. I agree. It gradually creeps in. You know, a little more, a little more, and a little more, and academia tilts more and more and you wonder how you come back from this to common sense i'll tell you well here's what encourages me yep. you know you said reluctantly you don't think so i mondays and wednesdays i'm with you tuesdays and thursdays i'm not they turn on the tv and here's this uh very successful wealthy uh jewish businessman in new york living in the heart of the beast who's decided he's sick and tired, he's not going to take it anymore. So he goes after the Brearley School and says, you're teaching my kid crap. And he's now become a kind of national iconic figure. And, and, you know, and if he can make it there in New York, he can make it anywhere. You know, I mean, if he succeeds, I mean, he's still the rebel with a cause. I agree. I agree. Against an, in, against an entrenched power group with I agree. with a union. I, agree. I know. I've, just, yeah. yeah, but boy, did they show their colors over the last year and a half or what? what? To, to, to you and me, they did, but yeah. I don't know whether it's, it's going to change anything except that uh, the president maybe wants to give him more money. Well, as we say in Washington, I think it changed the swing districts. I think the swing districts thought, not to reduce our conversation to politics, but politics matters. I think people, people who formerly thought well of uh, teachers' unions and of their schools said, wait a minute, what the hell is wrong with these people? What do they need? What do they need from us in order to open up? Uh, and clearly their priority was not the children. Well, you and I would agree entirely on that. But, I, you know, if you, if you stand back from the fact that a lot of people are pissed about it, the, the question is, what does that lead to? And apparently it's led to nothing. They, you know, the teachers' no. unions, they're getting all no, the money. No, no, they're, no. Well, they're getting all the money, but there's, 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 Fires being lit all over the country on this stuff. People are people are fighting back. You know, the money's coming, sure, uh, but you know that's a. It matters who's president. You know, it does matter who's president. I don't want to equate, you know, all the good guys as the seventy-five million Trump voters, but no, a no. lot of them are, and a lot of them are. And um, I believe that if it comes to it, that you would see an upsurge of courage and patriotism, and let's get it done when the circumstances merited it. But but I, but I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I've well, had like in the last two. Go ahead. I was going to say that uh, it's like you're reprising Ronald Reagan after Carter. I mean, if you looked at us after the fall of Saigon in the late 70s and allowing our embassy to be seized in Iran, et cetera, woe is us at that particular point. And yet the minute Ronald Reagan came in, he touched this nerve. So it was there. The American public was fed up with it. And, it, it, you know, once you got the right man in, it immediately showed itself. It, you know, manifestly, I would say Trump was the wrong man. President Biden is the wrong man. 
but if if there is this latent spirit, uh, you could have a resurgence of basic American values again, the way we saw with President Reagan in the future. Why do you say Trump was the wrong man? Because when you looked at his policies, they were sensible, but you looked at the man and the man was not a leader. He had an instinct for bringing out bad feelings. It, it just it, it revolved too much around him as a human being. He was he lacked the humility, and I think he lacked the character to unify the country. And he's gone. He is gone. And so there will be somebody else. Somebody has to come out of the Republican Party, or maybe several people. Um, and we'll see. We'll see. But it will not be. Well, I'm more. I'm more of a Trump guy than you. I yeah. He he. His personality, but obviously got him in trouble. I think that's why he lost the election. But his policies yeah. were pretty damn good across the board. And oh, he I kept more more promises I, than any president in modern history, including my guy, the guy I worked for, Ronald Reagan. I, I, I could not agree more with you about the policies. Yes. And that is why I voted for him, because of the policies. At the same time, I recognize he was deeply flawed in his own character. You know, so it coexisted in the same person. As, as it does in all of us, you know, that's, which is true. You know? Yeah, the, the problem is his his flaws, his defects, you know, affected, you know, almost almost as if they were targeted by the opposition to affect those swing districts again, those suburban, yes. you know, 42,000 votes, you know, separated Trump yep. from Biden, yep. Yep. even with cheating. Oops, excuse me. I didn't say that anyway, but well, there was. No. Uh, okay. Anyway, I guess my point is, whether you go for Trump wholeheartedly with qualifications about personality uh, or not, there are a lot of people out there in this country who love it and want it to do the right thing. And if it came to it in a World War III and they were called upon to do it, I think they'd carry the rest of the country along. Is that possible? Totally. But, uh, but, you, 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 but you know, you see, I'm, I'm, I'm not basically saying that I believe we're going to have a, a World War III the way we did a World War II. I, you know, I have no reason to say that. I can't predict one way or the other. I think the odds are five to one that the next war is a war that you and I can't even envision right now, but it won't be China. <laughs> I mean, we, 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 we never get right trying to predict the next war. They're like hurricanes. You can't predict them. You just know with human nature they're going to come. And, Did and you say they won't, the, they won't be China? I said, the, I said, I think the odds are five to one the next war that we fight will not be against China. Tell me yeah. why. Well, simple. Because you because if you look at our history of trying to predict whom we're going to be fighting next, you, we've, we've never gotten it right. You, the, 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 the nature of geopolitics, et cetera, is such that you can't have a single focus. You have to keep, you have to keep a multiple focus. And, and, you know, therefore, China is one. It's the largest threat. But by no means does that mean it's going to be the next the next one where we where we exchange gunfire. I mean, we 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 had the Soviet Union on one side, us on the other for 50 years without well, 35 years without exchanging gunfire. So but we fought a lot of other wars. So I'm just saying, you know, I don't see the next war necessarily at all as being World War Three. It could be another Vietnam. It could be something in a city somewhere. It could be many, many different things. I'm just saying if it did come down to us and China having a showdown that got out of hand, I think cyber 
would be the way in which the Chinese would attempt to put the maximum pressure on our society. I mean, I thinking about heavyweight boxing, I was kind of thinking, who are the other contenders? But if you say it could right. be a city, it could be, <clears throat> okay, could be a rat, yeah. right? Could be, could be anybody. Yeah. But do you see ultimately somewhere down the road, a clash, confrontation, military or cyber or whatever between us and China? I do, well, the answer is yes, and I'm not persuaded it will come to high explosives, but I do believe the way China has postured itself the way they look at us, um, the way we are now looking at them, the way they're not, not backing down on their cyber hacking or claiming the South China Sea, et cetera, they haven't backed away on anything, that sooner or later there will be a confrontation where we have to confront them and will confront them. And then the question is whether it will escalate from there or not. But do I believe we, we will, will have a confrontation sooner or later with China? The answer is yes. May not be the next war, but do I believe we'll have a confrontation? Yes. Do I believe it'll come to shooting? I can't predict that one way or the other. Last thing I want to ask you, we see all this political correctness stuff in the schools and critical race theory, and we're seeing, or at least reporting, maybe it's an exaggeration, that some of the same stuff is going on at the Pentagon. Are we softening up our military and will it, will it stick? Are we going to end up with a soft military? I am greatly concerned that we now have diversity officers being appointed to every command. That's just one step away from having a Politburo officer. Diversity officer, what the heck does that mean? We used to say if you came into the military, you were based on what happened to you on your merit, not on your gender and not on your race. And now we're saying we have to diversify. Where do these admirals and generals come up with this all of a sudden out of nowhere? Because they're, they're saying what we were doing um, as a military for the last 40 years and we were priding ourselves on was wrong. Now we recognize that really in our hearts, we are systematically racist. I think it's a lot of baloney. And do I believe it hurts? Yes. I know in any platoon, at any level, if you call people together and say, now let's talk about those of us that are black. Let's talk about those of us that are brown. Let's talk about those of us who who are white. Let's talk about those of us who are female. Let's talk about those of us who are male. And and let's let's talk about our differences. You are lighting fires that was the exact opposite of what we were taught in a platoon that you never did. You never start that way. You say we're one team and you're going to get promoted because you do the best job. I mean, I, I the answer is, am I worried about what's happening now? Absolutely. And am I disappointed? Absolutely, I'm disappointed. Will it, will it make us less capable as a fighting force? Oh, if you start promoting people based on quotas, the answer Good. is yes, because you're not choosing the best people. It's as simple as that. And then you have, you have resentment, not, not spoken, but, you know, so-and-so is not a good leader. And if, once you start with that, you've got a real problem. You have a real problem. So I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not a, I'm not a big supporter of this diversity and we're systematically racist. I just don't believe it, even though. No, no, we're not. Of course we're not. Of course we're not. I mean, you know, the one test I have for that sitting here in the Carolinas is, you know, quite apart from what you watch on TV, just go out in the world and, you know, white people and black people in the Carolinas, which is the South, are talking to each other in a very friendly manner about 98% of the time. Doing business, commerce, 
you know, trading conversations, small talk in waiting rooms at airports, in the grocery store, you know, at the bar. Well, I live in South Carolina. Where? I live in Hilton, South Carolina. I just come come up to, I just come up to, to Rhode Island to remember, you know, you know, what it used to be like in Yankee land. (laughs) One last thing. You're, you're a student of the Greeks. Do you know about the horses of Sybaris? You son of a gun. You have me. I mean, I'm, I'm desperately, desperately going through my mind. So I I have a quick retort. And the only thing I can think of is Tom Brady is going to play the new England Patriots. And I don't think that's what you have in mind. (laughs) It's not Belichick, by the way, it's Brady, buddy. It was Brady. Did you see what Brady did, by the way, with this contract? No, they, he, they he offered some of the money they, back. Well, he they offered yeah. him—I don't know—I'm picking a number like thirty million or forty million. He said, yeah. "I'll take ten and spend the other thirty on guys to protect me." Yeah, there you, yeah, you know that, that is—he's a true guy, true, true, he's true a, leader, team leader, yeah. and but also prudent, also prudent, you know. Yeah, <laughs> keep me in one piece. <laughs> yeah, right. The horses of Sybaris. We don't know whether it's true or not, but um, it's told and retold so that the Greeks uh, and Sybaris uh, trained these great war horses and yep. they were the best in, in battle. Uh, but in peacetime, someone had the idea of teaching them to dance. And so uh, flute music and uh, they were taught to dance. Ten years later, they went to war. And as these guys mounted their horses and proceeded to war, the enemy proceeded to their flutes. This is a myth, of course. Uh, uh, you know, it's, it's a myth in that it's, it's, not, it's not true, as my best professor said, only in the most trivial way. It's probably not literally true, but it's yeah, true in every other way. It's a great way. metaphor. It's a great metaphor. It's true, moral, yeah. it's true morally, and there's a lesson here. So that's my advice. Yes. If we teach, teach our military to dance, Will they remember how to fight? That's right. That's right. That does it for today's show. Catch up on previous episodes of the show. Go to thebillbennettshow.com. You can follow me on Twitter at William J. Bennett. You can like me on Facebook. Just search Bill Bennett. Feel free to email the show. I'd love to hear from you. It's billbennettpodcast at gmail.com. Please share the podcast with your family and friends. We'll catch up next week. 